All right, Steph, I got a question for you. What's your favorite book of all time? Uh, obviously, you met her where? Oh, I thought you were going to say the Bible. Oh, oops. <laughs> oh. So what's your second favorite book of all time? You met her where? <laughs> <laughs> a distant second. Totally distant. It's a pretty good book. Sorry, God. It's still a pretty, pretty good book. But we're so excited. Where can people get our book? Honey? Okay, I know this. Uh, Amazon.com. Yes. Barnes & Noble. Yes, and? And our website, KevinStuff.com. And, and what happens if they buy it off our website? <gasps> what do they get? Uh, an autograph from us. Yes. Who wouldn't want that? Exactly. So, listeners, if you've already read the book, thank you so much. We've had such good feedback. One thing that helps us, if you can give us a review on Amazon.com, we would greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much, and thank you for listening. Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Tell Us a Good Story. Today, we have an incredible guest, Jenny Brettenbauer. She is the Jenny in Jenny's Ice Cream and has an amazing story of resilience and persevering. Hope you enjoy this episode of Tell Us a Good Story. Are you ready for mm. this next oh, guest? so fun. This, this is going to be so fun. I know I say it all the time, but this is going to be so fun. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be great. Our next guest is an ice cream maker and entrepreneur. She's also the author of multiple cookbooks that have gone on to be a New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestseller. And you may have heard of her because she is the Jenny in Jenny's Ice Cream. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to Tell Us a Good Story from the great city of Columbus, Ohio. Mrs. Jenny Britton Bauer. Welcome. Hi. Hello, Jenny. Thank you for saying yes to us. We appreciate that. No, oh, it's such a such a pleasure to be with you guys today. You're so so friendly, which I just love. I like friendly people. Oh, oh thank good. you. <laughs> good. Well, this is going to be very much fun. It's very much be a fun, lot of fun because your story is fascinating. And tracking you on social media, you post a lot of fun things, and I could tell you have a great personality. So. You were, of course, on our short list of people that we wanted to reach out to to tell us a good story. For sure. So first question I have, Jenny, is, is it true that ice cream is healthy for us? We're really hoping your because answer is we, yes on this. we're wanting you to confirm that. We need you to say yes to this <laughs> question. Was, like, that's not even a question for me. I'm that it's, of course, it, it's healthy. Uh, <laughs> See, <laughs> obviously. And, and there's a good reason for that. I mean... Honestly, we should all be aware of what we're putting in our bodies. And, and, you know, balance is not about eating the most bland stuff, you know, like everything is equal across the board. It's sometimes having a steak and then you right. go eat your broccoli for a couple of days. It's sometimes having ice cream. It's sometimes having a glass of wine, but you have to understand when to bring it back. So I always think like if you're eating something that is sweet, like a bowl of ice cream, enjoy the heck out of it. Love it have it, you're going to feel so satisfied. 
and then like understand where that balance is in your life. But if you end up eating something that's like free of everything, you're still craving, you're still wanting, you're not satisfying. And for me, it's like, I mean, people say, you really eat ice cream every day? Well, I eat ice cream a lot. I eat ice cream every day for sure, sometimes twice, but I also eat a lot of vegetables, just smoked sea salt or something like that on them. So I have a balance. So it's like a really beautiful balance, but that's what health I think is. So since you just said you have like ice cream once or twice a day, hello, you're my now new girl crush because I would love that. (laughs) Do you have ice cream like stocked in your freezer do you have every single flavor that you make? Like, what does your freezer look like right now? Well, I could take you to it. It's definitely like a lot of ice cream. It is not every single flavor we make. It's some from our, right now, some from our R&D kitchen because um, we, like, we're just the way that we're doing work right now during COVID. But, um, so some of them are just plain white containers from there. So they don't have the branding on it. Um, but we have, I have a lot of flavors. And I have another freezer in my sort of, um, garage that I can go to, which has a lot more in it. And some flavors that we did from like seasons before that I'm saving that we don't have anymore. So I do have quite a lot of ice cream and not just mine, actually, like we don't make a, um, a cookie dough. So, um, we'll have Ben and Jerry's cookie dough. I like, if I'm going to eat ice cream at home, a lot of times I like a Sunday. Oh my gosh. She's such my girl crush right now. <laughs> I'm having so much fun. Okay. Okay. No, no, no. My question. Again. Okay. okay. If I were to give you a gallon of ice cream or a quart of ice cream. Could you tell me who made it or what was in it? Because your palate's probably so good. I could definitely tell you what was in it, including the stabilizers um, and emulsifiers. I could definitely tell you whether it was a synthetic uh, ingredients or not. And I could probably tell you what the price point was. But whether I could tell you who made it or not, I don't know because I haven't had ever. There's a lot of ice cream companies right. across the United States, and um, and I don't eat a ton of theirs. I eat enough to know, and then really I just focus on mine. So I could definitely tell you what how much it costs. And actually, there's an Epicurus video of me doing this. They tested me. I was right on every one of them. I picked out every ingredient. Really? And yeah. So I yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, that's oh, incredible. So cool. Okay, so Jenny, we were talking about you last week. Okay, so of course Thanksgiving, we're on our way to. My family. Mm-hmm. We made the comment. If we are Jenny, Britton Bauer, <laughs> is it a requirement that around the holidays, around any parties with friends, that you are required to bring ice cream with you? Or can you show up with like a cookie or a pie or something pie or brownies or something like that? How does that or work? Like what I want to do is show up with like pickles that I made because you know, they're <laughs> so like they're the antidote to ice cream. Like when you eat too much sweets of any kind, but especially ice cream. You need like curry or pickles or something just really, or like there's this potato chip that I love from Cincinnati, Ohio. It's um, Hen of the Woods and they do this like smoke potato chip, like smoke. It's incredible. And it's like the perfect antidote for eating. You know, you always have to have like something salty after you eat a lot of sweet. Yeah. But if I show up to a party with like a, a thing of macaroni and cheese or something like that, everybody's <laughs> like, uh. Oh. So the only way that I get to go to a party is if I also bring with something that I just had fun making or wanted to make is um, not that I don't have fun making ice cream. It's just that you, I have to bring ice cream too. And then right. I can also bring my favorite deviled eggs, you know, or whatever I want. Yes. Yeah. But I mean, you know, if this was my first five years in business or doing this, like I would still be like, oh, I'm bringing ice cream. <laughs> I've been doing this for 26 years. So every party that I go to, not only the party, but I'll be at the grocery store and somebody will be like, you got any ice cream on you? Oh, uh, really? Like, you know, or I don't, th- that's kind of the joke, but I will go to like a board meeting and somebody would be like, where's the ice cream? Oh, you know? man. Some people do expect me to bring ice cream everywhere, which is fine. I do it. But yeah, I always know if I'm going to bring 
something else I really feel like making, I better also bring the ice cream. Otherwise, somebody's going to be disappointed. And that's not what I want to talk about. Well, I guess that's a big compliment, right? right? That's true. Like if they, Huge. no matter what, when they see you, they want your ice cream. So I guess that's the biggest compliment you can yeah, get. Yeah, it's trigger. I'm the, the trigger for ice cream. It's great. I'll be fine with that. Can I tell you about one of my favorite things in 2020? I need something good in 2020. Yes. Okay. Let me tell you, I am obsessed with all the new candles and room sprays and hand sanitizer and accessories that I've been buying from the girls at Method Quality Goods. Is that where you got all my candles from? Yes. Their room spray turned your house from an armpit to, I'm sorry, what? Grapefruit mint. It is now my favorite scent. You have hooked me up with all the candles I could ever want. Obviously, I want more. And they just came out with their Harvest Collection. Just go to their website, getmethoddesign.com. That's getmethoddesign.com. A proud sponsor of Tell Us a Good Story. Y'all, you will love them. I pay full price for their stuff, and I'm so obsessed. I cannot say good enough. We already wrapped up this commercial. I can't say enough good things. I can't. I can't stop talking about them. Jenny, do you mind if I brag on you a little bit here for (laughs) our listeners? Okay. So typically with guests, I will rattle off a list of accomplishments, fun facts, and you have a few of these. It's pretty long. Yours was pretty long. We're going to have to like condense some of it or we won't be able to finish our show. So for listeners, I want to give you some facts about Jenny Brittenbauer. She opened up her first ice cream shop, Scream, in 1996, then founded Jenny Splendid Ice Creams in 2002, which has been in business now for over 18 years. She's the author of the New York Times bestseller, Jenny's Splendid Ice Creams at Home. With more than 100,000 copies in print, the cookbook was dubbed the Homemade Ice Cream Making Bible by the Wall Street Journal. You can't get a better compliment than that. You really can't get a better compliment. Oh my gosh. Her first cookbook... That same, that same book earned her a James Beard Award, which is America's most coveted honor for writing about food and culinary arts. Girl, I watch Top Chef. I know about <laughs> James Beard Award winners. And when, I, when Kevin told me that, I was like, oh my God, like you are such that's a, a big, big deal. deal. I think that's the great thing about being in Ohio, honestly. I think, um, you know, because I think as a creative person, the thing that drives us the work and... Um, and to some extent, how people respond to it, actually, to a large extent. I love going to the stores and just listening to how our team uh, feels about the flavor and how they're serving it to others over the counter and that service perspective that we have. But I think as a creative, you're really driven by that. And it's really easy. And I've been there, you know, to be sort of pulled along into this other world of like, um, how can I be great? How can I, you know, because once you sort of get a James Beard Award, then, then you're like, well, what now what, now I have to live up to that. Now I've got to do this or whatever. And that's just, that's not what I'm here to do. And I, I think most people who are in, in the creative fields aren't. We're here to like wake up inspired and like go make something. And I think being in Columbus where no one cares about any of that stuff, they just want great ice cream. And I'm friends with like everybody here. Um, it's just a wonderful place to create. You know, once we accomplish something, we just move on and go go follow the next curiosity we have. And we don't get like um, sort of hung up on all of that. But I do think that there's something about being in the middle of the country um, where there's a more humility. You're, you don't get into that echo chamber of you're great. You're great. And I have so many friends who are in that and they're just hard to be around, to be honest. <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, sense. because you have to try to live up to the next thing, which turns you into right. a different kind of creative person. And uh, and I think most people, you know, a lot of people have been there. I've been there. And then you get out of it. You 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 release that because you can't. It's just it changes how you view the world and how you view, view creativity and also what you're capable of. And so I don't like to let anyone else tell me, or I guess like the idea of resting on laurels, you know what I mean? Even when somebody, it's like flattering. Do you know what I mean? Even when mm-hmm. it's, you, you have to like, you don't let people tell you negative things and you also don't let people tell you positive things because too much in either of those directions just kills um, creativity and passion, I think. I apologize, Jenny, because I've got a few more positive things to say here oh, about gosh. you. Okay. <laughs> so, Steph, Jenny dropped out of college at High State University to start her ice cream business. Then later on, in 2016, she was presented with an honorary doctorate degree from High State. How cool How is that? How cool is that? Now, but let me just also, um, I'll brag a little bit too, because I'm a vision-led person. And when I dropped out, I said, you know what? I'll get an honorary degree. <laughs> <laughs> you spoke into existence, wow. girlfriend. No student, you spoke I it. No student loans. But I'll tell you, you know, I, I remember just being like, if I do well enough in what I'm going to do, and it took me a really long time because I failed at everything for a long time. But if I do well enough, if I do it good enough, the stuff that I'm supposed to do, like they won't be like there. I, Ohio State and I, and me, we're combined. Like we're a thing because I went there. I talk about it all the time. Like I loved it there. There's a dairy science school. And I was just like, you know, if, um, if I do a good enough job, like they'll notice me, that's how people get honorary degrees. Like, it's not that big of a deal. And I just never thought like the piece of paper that says that I have graduated from anywhere, um, defines me. Right. But it's the work that I do. And so it was really fun to get it that way. And I, um, you know, I joke that I'm, a, you know, I'm Dr. Britton Bauer, you know, you have to put the quotes around it, you know, but, um, but it was amazing um, to get that, especially because I think, you know, I don't tell people this very often, but I mean, because I had sort of thought, you know, if I do a good enough job, they will notice. It wasn't that I didn't like it. That's not why I left. I mean, I, school isn't perfect for me, but, um, but I love it, especially because I just sort of thought, you know what, if I can do the best I can maybe they'll see that, you know, and I'll, and I'll come back and I'll get it that way. Cause probably <laughs> I'm never going to get the degree any other way. <laughs> well, Jenny, is it true that when you quit school, you literally just stood up in class and walked out and like, I'm done with this. Yeah. And there was a naked woman in front of me. <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> Were you in art class? Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it is true. And it was a, a pretty big art class and we were all seated in a circle. Let's say there were fi- probably 40 or 50 people in the class. So it was a big room with a lot of students sitting in circle around a woman uh, who's naked and we're drawing. It's a figure drawing class and figure drawing classes are three hours. And this woman that walked in, I draw, I had had the experience of drawing her before. She's beautiful. She's super tall. She's very slender, but she has angles that I like was terrible. at. And so I knew that I was going to spend three hours and not get anything good because these angles were too hard for me. I just really like being round and and like drawing, you know, round people. And so um, I just sat there and I was like, just so sad. And all I could think about was ice cream. I had just been making ice cream for a few weeks. And, um, and I was just like, you know what? 
I'm going to go do that. That's like the idea is there. It's really good. So not only did I get up and walk out, but the only way for me to get up and walk out somewhat inconspicuously, because I was sitting on the opposite side of the door and I had to walk around all the people and go out the door was for me to leave everything there. And so as a struggling art student who didn't have a strong family at the time at all, didn't really, wasn't even in touch with my family at the time to try to afford art supplies. Right. And I somehow did and then to leave them because I had this crazy business idea and no one to back it, but to walk out that way was huge. I also left my portfolio. There was portfolio week. So I had just taken in all the best work artwork I will have ever done. And I left it there. I never went back to get it. And then my professor found me later and she's like, do you want your portfolio back? And I was like, nah, I'm done. I'm done. Really? With yeah. And I'm so mad because it had this incredible, I just, it literally was the best drawing I have ever done. There's no looking back. So, before this happened, you said a few weeks ago, you just started making ice cream. What made you start that path in your life? Well, that is something that I like to tell uh, young people now. And actually, it isn't just young people. It's just people who are sort of looking for their path, right? And um, and so for me, I was trying to figure out what I was going to do. I had gotten into Ohio State University on like the dumbest thing, on an appeal. They didn't let me in. And then I appealed. I just told them what I was up to. The reason that I basically barely past high school. Um, my mother had had a baby. She was very sick. I took care of her. My dad was out of the picture. I, I worked full time and, you know, I did okay. I got straight D's. <laughs> like, <that's great. laughs> um, and they let me in. Right. So I barely in Ohio state, I, I was on grants and, uh, and, um, a small amount of loans. And, um, and I was trying to figure out what I was actually going to do with my life. And, um, and, during that time, because I didn't have a strong family, I didn't have um, parents who were like, go get your degree, go get this, go get that, you know, get your, like, I think a lot of parents now when a kid says, hey, I want to be an entrepreneur, the first thing the parent says is, okay, great, then you need to get your business degree or a finance degree, which is not true um, at all. In fact, that that will prevent you from becoming an innovative risk-taking entrepreneur. Those are the people we hire, right? Study anything else but business if you want to become an entrepreneur, because those are where the ideas come from. So what I was doing was studying whatever I wanted to, because nobody was keeping me on the right track. Um, and so I wasn't on a career, uh, uh, sorry, a degree track. So I was taking, you know, vampire folklore, or I took a whole class. I was begging the um, like graduate level professors to let me into like their medieval torture class. Um, I took um, it's on the corporate track you know. here. It sounds like <laughs> yes. Stuff. I mean, I was like just anything that sounded interesting. I learned all about um, like Hellenistic economies through one class. And how that led to just, I mean, so many things. But I mean, it was just like, it was actually a really hard class. I took a lot of art history. I took a lot of fine arts uh, because that was what I was drawn to do. Um, but but also I was working at the French bakery and there was a really cute guy. His name was Julian who would come in and smoke cigarettes. Back then it was cool. It wasn't not now and that's great. And drink really rich, you know, coffee. And he was Parisian and like, Anyway, I met up with Julian because I, I was, he was like a little older than me, but I was like, I was working there and I was, I was asking about his work. He was working in the chemistry department in Scent. And so he and I became friends. I started visiting like Scent, you know, it's amazing. He would bring me these little vials. So I was like working at the bakery, working in the kitchen, learning about um, all the ingredients that this French family was bringing. It was a French bakery uh, to make products out of like tarts and things like that. And it's just beautiful. It was not like what I grew up with. I mean, these are like 
you know, just more like French, beautiful French bakeries, pastries. And then I'd met Julian and I was really awakened to this idea that I have, am very connected to my sense of smell and I should be a perfumer. And he was sort of studying some of that stuff in chemistry. Um, and meanwhile, I was taking art and really it was where those three things converge that I found ice cream. So I'm like, I have to figure out how to engage, um, how to use scent in art because that is just too too powerful for me. Like it's, it's a memory association thing, association thing. I've always been really aware of that. And then I need to like learn how to make stuff like in a kitchen or whatever. Maybe I should go to pastry school. So I started making stuff at home. And then the idea of like, can I tell an American story like where I'm from, like the Midwest, which I'm originally, originally from Illinois, Peoria, Illinois. And can I do something similar to the bakery that I grew up with, which is like blue cakes and Barbie cakes and whatever, but with higher quality that tells stories Anyway, that sort of American perspective of telling stories and then where's the scent sort of come in led me to ice cream. I love it. I love it. Well, I'm fascinated, Jenny, about your background, right? Because when I first saw Jenny's, right, I thought this was probably going to be like family recipes passed down from generation to generation. And that is not the case at all. You have literally... Created. created all these, mm-hmm. created all these uh, types of flavors and scents, like you talked about. And I, I love the fact how honest you are in regards to, like you just said earlier, you failed at a lot of things. So you have grit, you have resilience, and that is really a lot about your backstory. Can you share with us some of the things that you had to overcome when you started this business, right? Because things are great now; they weren't great. 26 years ago, necessarily, you had to overcome a lot of things to get to today. And like most business owners, you didn't have it all figured out when you started. Can you go through some of the stuff that you had to overcome starting? Yeah, this I mean, business? I just want to be so clear that you can self-educate. There is something right. in our culture that says, no, you have to do it the way that everybody else does it. And you have to do it the way it says in the book. And you have to do it the way your teacher says. And the actual truth is you don't, you can't, you do have to learn. You have to support yourself. You have to be responsible. You have to like take responsibility for everything that you do and your life um, and your future and all of that. But you can do it by just doing it. And in fact, you learn so deeply, uh, <laughs> unfortunately, when you fall on your face, right? right. Because, um, you know, it, you know you've, you've pushed it all the way to the boundary and beyond, Right. And now you learned all of that as you, as you go, and then you can pull it back. Um, but anyway, I, um, I, (laughs) the funny thing is too, in the beginning, all of the things that you think are just the hardest things, the intractable problems, the things you'll never get over. Like in the beginning for me, that was like getting a permit from the city, right? Oh, how many permits do I have to have? There's the County and then there's the city and then there's the state and I can't keep it organized and I have no idea. And I'm probably breaking the law. And I was, (laughs) Um, those were so complicated or like, did I get the taxes right? I can't figure that out at all. Right. And if I, and if I get that wrong, they're going to come after me. I have no idea how to do that. And meanwhile, I saw my neighbor, she's not even paying taxes. I'm ringing anybody up. I don't understand what's going on. (laughs) Um, and then you fast forward and you're like, um, what we're dealing with today, these problems, right? right? So it is that idea of like, well, you just get resilient. You just keep going because you have to, because tomorrow is another day and you just keep, you get through, you figure it out. And then the next day you do the same. And it's just like every year you have to learn a new set of rules. Every year of this life, you're just always at a different level. And you look back, you're like, sure, I was um, feeling the exact same all those years ago about getting a permit as I am today about, I don't know, how to move raw milk around, you know, the country in 10,000 gallon tanker trucks and make it into ice cream, take it apart and put it back together, you know, and those are impossible. But I mean, 
everything had to be learned, everything from display. Like how do people respond to display, to customer preferences? How do people, what do people want from me? And how do I merge that with what I want, right? Because in the beginning I was doing it and my first company was called Scream. And I did whatever flavors I wanted to that day. Like whatever was in the market I just made. And then when they were gone, I would make something different. And so I thought that was a really great idea. Like that's what ice cream is about. It's about flavor. It's about change. It's about, you know, telling stories. And, but, you know, people didn't really love it. And it took me a long time to realize actually I closed Scream and I was at a coffee shop um, that I loved. And I was there because they had this amazing orange scone. I just was in love with it. And I got all the way up in line to the counter finally and ordered it and they were out of it. And he didn't even care. He was just like, yeah, we're out of it. What else do you want? And I was like, well, the only reason I'm actually here is for that. So I guess I have to leave. I don't know. And then I realized when I was walking out the door to leave that I had done that to every single customer by only offering like new things all the time, knowing that everyone loved salty caramel and everybody loved, you know, pistachio and honey and the dark chocolate and the milk chocolate and all these flavors that we were doing or that I was doing as the only one there. Um, so that was a lesson that I learned that like um, entrepreneurship is different than art. Uh, art is you can have it be like really a one-way conversation. Um, you can just say what you want to say and, you know, how people respond to it is is how they respond. Uh, you can be aware of it or not. But in entrepreneurship, you really have to have a two-way street. You do have to have your perspective. Otherwise, you're irrelevant. So you have to be adding something to it, to somebody's life. You have to be pushing a little bit, giving them something they didn't even know they wanted. And yet at the same time, when you hit on something, you really have to have it and you have to have it every single day because if they drive all the way up from Kentucky for salty caramel, which people were doing and you don't have it, that's too, that's you, you ruin your business, the whole point of business. So things like that, I just, you know, it was like literally every, um, it was just those first maybe 15 years were just discovery after discovery after discovery for me. So I had read that when Jenny started, she of course opened her first store at the North market Mm -hmm. and I think I think what I read, Jenny, was the only way you ate is if you t- bartered with the other vendors there. You would trade ice cream for whatever they were having. Is is that right? Like you were literally every day just f- trying to figure it out. Yeah, I made six hundred and thirty eight dollars a month. That was what I took home to live off of. Right. So I walked to work. I took the bus to work. I lived in a one room apartment <laughs> for three months. I actually lived out of my car. Yeah. Oh, to me, this was the greatest adventure ever. Like if I just thought it was great. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I would trade ice cream for food. And so I would just, um, that would be how, that was like how I ate. <laughs> yeah. Because everything else was going to, um, pay all the other bills that I had or whatever. And I was there all the time. I was there like 12, 12 hours a day sometimes. So I just was there in the market all the time. So all of my meals came from there. And that was great because being in the market where people weren't going to let you go hungry and there was always a leftover or something you could trade an ice cream cone for, it was great. How many flavors have you developed? Well, if you're talking about finished, perfect flavors that I <laughs> yes. would change a thing about, yes. I might say zero. <laughs> oh, really? wow. Yeah, I feel like we're always, there always is a little bit in flux. I mean, there are flavors like our darkest chocolate that I think won't change. That's pretty, pretty perfect. But I might change the chocolate at some point that we use. We Now we're all fair trade and it's really great. So maybe, maybe there's nothing else to do on that one. Salty caramel, we can always tweak better because it's such a crazy process. You have to burn the sugar, caramelize the sugar over fire in our kitchen. And so the, the minute when it's, or it's really not a minute, the moment when that caramel is the perfect flavor, it's like two seconds. 
Oh my gosh. And so making that flavor, you can always do a little bit better. It's almost like seeing live music. Every batch is slightly different. Um, but I think it's pretty close. Um, I love our lemon yogurt. It's actually made with yogurt and buttermilk. It's very tart, super creamy. And if you can think about it, like our sherbet, it doesn't, it isn't like frozen yogurt or froyo. It's actually really tart, tastes a lot like yogurt and buttermilk, but also like a little bit like cream and milk. And it's not meant to be like health food necessarily any more than like all of it is, you know, uh, in my opinion. But anyway, yeah, I mean, I, I just feel like, you know, you've always got to be willing to see the faults in things even that you love and even the things that your customers love. You've got to be willing to do that. And once you start really looking at stuff, you realize you really can make everything better. And so once you realize that, gosh, that's what it's all about, now you've got a lot of work to do. <laughs> it's always, always work. Now, what are some of the crazy stuff, though, that you've tried? Because you're constantly trying to create new flavors. What are some of the crazy things that you put together where you're like, nope, that's definitely not a good combo. I should not be putting like hamburger and ice cream or whatever. <laughs> I mean, what are some of the stuff you've tried or like, nope, that is not going to work? Oh, gosh. Well, one time I did, uh, there are two things that come to mind, actually. One of them, like you wouldn't even expect, but but one of them was smoked banana. So my friend who plays timpani in our symphony, actually, his name is Ben. He's awesome. He uh, was kind of famous for doing like a smoker party every He is famous for doing this. So he has a smoker party every year, smokes meat all day long. And then like we go over and then like in the last 30 minutes or whatever, he throws bananas on and we make caramel sundaes out of them. And the bananas just get a little bit smoked. They turn super black but they're just a little bit smoked and they're incredible. And so I was like, oh, we should totally do this smoked banana ice cream. So I called my friends who have a barbecue restaurant and I was like, took some bananas over there and put them in the smoker and they fed me this big meal and I took them out of the smoker and took them back to the market to make ice cream out of them. And they had like turned into gel. They were really gross looking, but you know, we peeled them and made them and, um, and, and it ended up tasting like turpentine. Like it had been- oh over smoked in these like professional smokers. And it was just really gross. And then I kind of thought, well, you know, maybe the whole thing about smoked banana is that it really should be the side of the, the wingman to the ice cream, you know, or maybe the ice cream is the wingman to the smoked banana, but it really needs to be, there's a, there's an, there's an argument that it doesn't always have to go in the ice cream, that it can go next to the ice cream. And I would say this is true for even things like brownies. All right. If you have a brownie in ice cream, it's going to be chewy and cold. But like, what about if you had a room temperature, really fresh, beautiful brownie just crumbled on top? I think there's no argument that that's better. And so sometimes I, so that kind of led me to that place of like, yeah, maybe, maybe this is one of those instances where I don't have to make the ice cream, but the sundae or the dessert is beautiful in its own. And then the second one, which doesn't really make sense to me, but it's true um, raspberry and peppermint is a classic combination in like French cooking and in farmer's market cooking. Uh, they just go really well together. They're in season together. And so at the market, it was similar with spearmint. Some, a customer or a, a farmer had spearmint and, uh, strawberries. And so I put those together and it tasted nothing like the brightness of the, the raspberry peppermint. It was actually exactly like double mint gum over chewed. Oh. Like it was the strangest thing. Cause you think like, well, what could be so bad about these two ingredients? So there's strawberries from the farmer's market, nonetheless, and spearmint. And I just realized that there's something very warm about spearmint. Spearmint is a very warm, if you can imagine that mint, it almost has, I always say it's sort of almost tastes like breath. Like, you know, like if you're like a baby's breath, right. Um, and strawberries are sort of the way, you know, just strawberries. And so when you put them together, something happened and it was just not good. Not good at all. <laughs> so what's so those your are two that, yeah. Mm -hmm. What's your favorite flavor then that you've ever created? And I have a lot of them, but the one that I've eaten probably every 
uh, several nights a week at least for at least the last year is our brown butter almond brittle. And oh. it was inspired by Roald Dahl. And he wrote Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and James and the Giant Peach. And he was just this really uh, wonderful man. Uh, he really believed in uh, children and the power that children had and, and the that, that sort of kids kind of almost got it right, but it was the adults that made everything bad, right? And I still think that that's actually, there's something to that. And I've always sort of, I was brought up to believe that. And um, to sort of, it's that idea of like trusting your inner um, voice, you know? Because it's mostly right versus trusting just what other people say in society. And he really was about that inner voice in children. And so um, I love him. And so I was reading about him growing up in Norway and he um, he had an ice cream, wrote about it uh, that he loved. It's called Krokan, Krokan, Krokan. Um, and it was uh, this, this sort of butter almond toffee flavor. And so I started making that. I, I actually caramelized the butter a little bit. So it was a little bit more brown and, and brought out that sort of toastiness and then made this almond uh brittle and it's incredible. I love it. I mean, I can, I really could eat that every single night and kind of almost do. So do you get inspired by children's books or, you know, by, you know, life around you? How are you getting your inspiration for these flavors? Well, I always say, and there's a little essay in the very back of my first book um, that's titled that I put, uh, it's called flavor surrounds you. And so your perspective on the world is, will end up being the flavors that you make as an ice cream maker. And it's true, of course, of art and other things that you bring to life in your, in your world. But, um, but so that is where I'm finding all of that. I mean, it's just like, I'm just aware. I'm very curious. I look around. I have my eyes open. I'm always asking questions. In a normal year, I'm out on the road constantly and just seek out people that inspire me. And flavors come from there. Well, one thing I've seen is videos of a Jenny's ice cream store opening. Yes. And Steph, the line is down the hill, down the block for like five hours at a time. <laughs> Jenny here is at the door greeting everyone who comes in. And as I'm watching this, Jenny, it looked like people are bringing random, random things for you to sign and <laughs> autograph. So I saw wedding pictures. I saw bags. I saw a stapler. I think someone had you sign. What is one of the more weird, awkward, memorable things someone's had had you sign for them I mean, I have, as a fan? I, I think it's, um, I don't know how to, uh, I haven't, I guess, perfected how I, how I respond to that yet. I mean, in terms of like when someone asks me to sign something and it's usually just totally fine. I'll sure I'll sign something. Um, you know, but one time, you know, somebody asked me this, like, actually I've signed skin and I sort of feel like, Oh really? I should have probably drawn the line. Like, do you really need me to sign your skin? Like I, I feel <laughs> that that's going over the boundary. Um, but you know, when you're in the moment, it's really hard to say, no, that doesn't feel right to me. Mm -hmm. I, I wanted to say, I really appreciate you. And I want to honor you in this moment. And I would be happy to, are you sure that you want to put me in that place in your life? Because I don't think that I deserve that at all. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, it's, it's a little, it's a little funky, but I mean, I've signed shoes and, you know, baby onesies and um, lots of t-shirts and, and things like that. But it's super sweet. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that you love this job so much. This dream that you've had that you'll be the one that they see first when you walk in right. your store. I think that's amazing. I just, that's I cool. grew up in this idea of uh, service and serving others. And that that's the sort of that, that like love is the glue that binds us, you know, that, that draws us together. And it's the thing we are born with. And, um, and, and the reason that I make ice cream, the reason our company exists and all of that. And so the idea of like, 
inviting people into our world feels very much like something that I ought to be there for, you know, mm-hmm. it just, um, it's just as a calling, I feel like for me, even above, you know, the creativity of ice cream. Well, Jenny, can we tell you a quick story? Mm-hmm. So we want to tell you about the first time we went into a Jenny's ice cream shop. <laughs> so we, we didn't have kids at the time. I think we were time. dating. Were we dating? I think we just got married. Okay. And we went to... The you sh- surprised me because I love ice cream. And he took me on a date down to the short north. And he's like, babe, I have got an ice cream place for you. I'm like, I'm there. W- where am I going? So we walked into Jenny's. And I'm thinking chocolate, vanilla, strawberry. I'm like super simple girl. And they start rambling off. It was like sweet corn something. And I'm just like oh, I don't belong here. Like, this is so over. I am not a fancy person. So Kevin's like, babe, no, they'll let you try it. And I'm like, what? So I tried, I tried the sweet corn. It was like a blueberry crisp or something like that. And they were phenomenal. It was phenomenal. But Jenny, I was embarrassed for my wife though, okay? Because (laughs) as you can tell, my wife is very animated, very energetic, right? This is no act. Like this is her on a daily basis. So she will put a vanilla bean in her mouth. She's like, oh my gosh, this is the best thing I ever put in my mouth. I'm like, oh, okay. All right. Then she goes to salty caramel and oh no, this is the best thing I've ever put in my mouth. And and so I remember the cashier, I'm like, I promise you, we are going to buy something. Actually a couple things. Okay. And I think we cut you off like at 10 things you tried. It was so bad. In Jenny's ice cream. It was and so bad. I amazing. was just like embarrassed. Like, but it was. For you. Just, I mean, in a was, joking way. Yes, but it was the best experience <laughs> because A, I wouldn't have been able to experience all of those. I'm not going to walk out with 10 scoops of ice cream. Like, I'm, But it was yours was the, was the first store that the, I was able to try anything I wanted. And I didn't feel guilty trying it. They were very happy very to let kind. me try it. Yes. And it was the most amazing experience. And then I then have been back several times. And I don't want to tell you how many because it's probably embarrassing. And, you know, then I've told all my friends about how amazing it is. And it was just that one experience that just opened my taste buds, my You know what I love about it so much is that you said, and this is something that that resonates with me and I think about all the time because I grew up kind of a... Uh, a kid who felt like an outsider. I mean, I went to a different school every year. I was like one of the art kids. You know, I always felt like an outsider everywhere. Very introverted, very shy. And when you said, I don't belong here, that is something that I, like, if you walk into our space, no matter what, who you are, the one thing we want you to leave with is I belong here, right? In fact, we have that statement up in a lot, in like our offices and whatever, like, or you belong here. Um, we, we make stickers sometimes that say that, like this idea of belonging. Maybe we're going to push, you know, and challenge your taste buds just a little bit, but, um, but, but you, you know, you belong here. And part of it is like, you're going to find your flavor, right? You're going to find this thing that, that ticks with you. And like, um, I love that so much. And also just that, um, that the resolution was, yeah, you do belong here, you know, mm-hmm, for sure. Of course. I love you it. Well, listeners for more information about Jenny, you can go to her Instagram page at Jenny Britton Bauer or their website. Their well, website. You better go to the Jenny's one for information about Jenny's. I do um, put a lot of stuff up there and that's a lot of behind yes. the scenes stuff on my Instagram. But as you know, I'm, um, I also do a bunch of goofy stuff and show my real world. Which my, we uh, love. We totally absolutely love. love it. You can also order some pints of Jenny's ice cream online at jennys.com or from the shelves of your local grocery store. 
You can also go to the where to buy page on their website to find the closest ice cream shop near you. Well, Jenny, you're amazing. Thank you. Thank you you so much for saying yes to us. We appreciate it. Thank you guys so much. You just bring so much light and it's just wonderful. Thank you. Hello, friends. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to support this podcast, please go to Apple Podcasts. You can rate and review this episode. Also, for those who have asked us how to financially support, you can go to kevinandsteph.com and order one of our books of You Met Her Where. Thank you so much for listening to Tell Us a Good Story.